listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode. Recording this early on Labor Day. Don't forget to subscribe to the Podcast Network, Silver Screen and Roll. We are on Stitcher. Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we are there. And also don't forget, check out silverscreenandroll.com. Your need for everything Lakers, stats, opinions, analysis, we have you covered, updated all the time. Joining me today, a part of our family over at Lakers SBN, uh, Ali Bepunia. Ali, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm a little, you know what? It's funny. At the end of a long weekend, I'm always more tired than I was coming into it. So I, I don't, I don't get yeah. why I don't, I actually slept pretty well and, and I hung out, didn't really do anything too crazy, but I'm always more tired on, on a Labor Day. Did you get up to anything fun? Uh, I actually went to Santa Barbara over the weekend. So that was, that was pretty cool. I, uh, I graduated from UCSB, so just went back to go see some friends. So yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit tired too, but you know, it's going to be a nice Monday. Just hanging with family oh that's uh, that's right so do the best thing get done with me here and sit around and, and relax and, and don't get done with maybe if you want if you want to sneak in a beer or two you can do that and don't forget if you want to ch- <laughs> check out uh ali on uh on uh, on twitter you can follow him at ali underscore Bepurnia. all right ali let's jump into this couple of things breaking over out over the weekend uh regards to espn giving lebron james and anthony davis pretty decent odds to win mvp but i want to jump into another portion of this kind of their expert opinion kind of leading into kind of the final month of the offseason as before we get into training camp looking at the lakers title odds now the lakers received mm-hmm. the fourth most votes to win the nba championship the only teams ahead of them according again to the espn experts the sixers the bucks and the clippers uh, where do you think the lakers are, do you think that's a fair assessment that they have the fourth best odds to win the championship or do you expect them a little bit higher a little bit lower what do you think about that I actually think that was pretty fair. I So Milwaukee and uh, Philadelphia were both in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for them, it's a lot easier to make it to the finals than it is for the Lakers. But for the Lakers, it's easier to, I mean, not easier, but they have a higher chance of winning the title, in my opinion, than those two teams. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just because I think they have an easier road to get there. But I do think it was a fair placement uh, as far as who would win the title odds. For that reason, see, it's it's interesting with 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 this because you're right. I mean, the teams in the East, and you're going to have Milwaukee and the Sixers, Boston, maybe a notch below there. Brooklyn still a year away, I think, until ultimately Kevin Durant is back. And then you have interesting teams like the Pacers. Like, okay, if Vic Oladipo comes back full strength, and that team, you know, has that chemistry the way they play, but they finally have their their superstar back in in Oladipo, I think they could make some noise. But the Eastern Conference, yeah, it's like a two-horse race, especially with the Raptors losing Kawhi. Yeah. But if you look at the West, it's like, damn, you have to have a lot go right for you. And when, when I say that, I mean, injuries are going to be a big thing. Some of these guys, you know, moving in like Russ Westbrook going into into Houston with the Rockets. How is he going to fit in chemistry-wise? I do think the Nuggets are going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially during the regular mm-hmm. season. Uh, Utah, another very deep team who, you know, Spider Mitchell, a star right now. Can he go into like a superstar level? That's going to be interesting to see as well. But I, I agree with you. I think the Lakers are right where they should be. But I don't mm-hmm. know about the Clippers. And and here's, here's my thing with the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is great. Um, mm-hmm. best player in the best two-way player in the NBA right now, arguably the best player overall in the NBA, depends on who you ask. But to me, it's like, okay, the Clippers have have Kawhi Leonard, 
an iffy Paul George coming back off like two shoulder surgeries. You know what I mean? You don't know how mm-hmm. he's going to react to that. So I, I don't I don't see why the Clippers should be that much ahead of the Lakers in that regard. But again, it's only it's only the beginning of September right now. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But is there any t- any team in the West that you think maybe isn't getting enough credit going into this year? Ooh, I I actually think I, I, I get flacking this from my friends. I actually think that Portland is going to be really exciting. I think Hassan Whiteside was a great ad for them. Yeah, he has like he has similar issues to Dwight with like ego, but I think that was a great addition for them because when um when they get fully healthy, that team, their bench and starters, in my opinion, is stacked. And I think they have an opportunity to another year where they gain chemistry and they can just, you know, actually make that final push to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, because once they get Nurkic back, I think they'll that that'll help them too. I mean, he's coming off that nasty nasty leg injury, but man, the Blazers are just the Blazers to me. You know, like hey, cool, yeah, they were, no, they were I, a cute story. You know, that. getting getting to the conference finals, and it was just kind of like eh, it's Portland. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and every year it's another year where someone says Damian Lillard's underrated, but I think he's rated just perfectly now. Yeah, he well, he you know, I mean, he he showed what he could do with in the playoffs, and and I think he's in the right yep. spot. And again, it's dependent on the teams. There's one squad though, man, that people, I don't know why, but they were just not getting enough respect to be, and that's the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they lost Kevin Durant, but they have, mm. um, you know, D'Angelo Russell. You're bringing back the 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 core three of of Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. Hopefully, healthy when he comes back in time for maybe March or April, depending on on how his rehab goes, but. I mean, I wouldn't want to play the Warriors. If you're the Lakers and the Warriors are sitting at a 6-7 seed, you would not want to t- touch them, would you, in the first round? Uh, no, because if with a healthy clay coming back, that would be scary. But I do have this question for you. Mm-hmm. I actually am on the opposite spectrum as you. I don't think the Warriors are going to be – I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're as strong as people might make them. Uh, I have – here. Do you know who's on their bench? No, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> their bench, their bench is just depleted. It's, I mean, they have Alec Burks, and then the bench is just from there on out just not great. It's, it's yeah, kind of rough, and I didn't the... really realize that. I didn't really realize that until I was playing two K, and I was just setting up the bench, and I was like, oh, can we take off, you know, the stamina because I just want to play with the starters. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go into the bench at all. <laughs> well, here, here's here's the thing. I don't. I mean, Kevon Looney, I think is is a very good player, good piece off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie Cauley Stein, I like his game. I think he'll fit in well there because he's a guy who wants to rebound and and uh, and block shots and play good defense. Calling Dwight Howard, we're hoping to see that from from you this year too. But um, <laughs> you know, you're you're right. I mean, that's they have their they have their big four with D'Lo obviously being there now, and then after that, it's going to be all right. Whoever can whoever can kind of fit in and 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 contribute, that's who they'll go with because. Uh, no more, you know, Sean Livingston. No more Andre Iguodala. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that team isn't as deep. But I mean, to me, in the in the playoffs where the bench is shortened down to eight, anyways, I I don't yeah. know if if I would I would want to roll against that squad. But again, there's so much time left in between, and I think this year, to me, the exciting part, not only just being into the into the Lakers kind of groove, but just as a basketball fan is I have mm-hmm. no clue who's going to win the championship this year. And it's oh, not like it's, exactly. it's like a, you know, a thing where we're used to it being for the last five years has been, well, you know, the Warriors, well, I, I, maybe not 20, 2014, 2015, when they, when they won their first championship, I think that year was a bit wide open too. But since then it's been like, all right, it's going to be either LeBron and, and whatever team he's on or, or Golden State. And right now you're just like, damn, this is, this is so deep and so exciting. Exactly. It's not even, 
even next uh, during the playoffs, a one versus eight seed is going to be exciting to watch because it genuinely could be like I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors were a six or seven seed, and then imagine them going up against a second or third seed. That would just be ridiculous. Oh yeah. So who would you? Okay, let me let me let me ask you this. Who would you? Who would you? Who do you think the Lakers don't match up with that well as things currently stand right now in the West? In the West, well, there's a team in the East that I am scared of as far as their matchups, and that would be Philly. But for mm. the West, ooh, for the West, oh, that's actually a really good question. I gotta I gotta think that through. Um, you know, uh, I might I'm, I I I hate this answer, but I might have to just say Clippers because I think they have everyone that can like just having Kawhi and Paul George as far on offense, and like who would you throw on them on defense for right now? Like you can't. Uh, I, yeah, who would you have yeah. guarding Paul George and Kawhi? Yeah, who do you? Yeah, oof. I so, you know what? You'd have to maybe try Danny Green, maybe on one of them. I don't know how that's going to work out because, and unless LeBron gets that, you know, effort attitude back, that all right, I'm going to start playing some yeah. real defense here. He could match up with one of them, but yeah, that's going to be interesting. And that's where I think maybe adding another three and D guy at some point, whether it's through Iguodala. the buyout or Iguodala, yeah, would would be would be the guy you'd want to roll with, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's why every day I'm hoping it because if Iguodala goes to the Clippers, that's just that's just gonna put a dagger in my heart. But if Iguodala joins Lakers, they have a legit closing lineup that they can roll out. And I know AD doesn't like playing the five, but if you threw out a lineup where it's just, I mean, you can throw out anybody, but having at least LeBron, Iggy, and and uh, and uh, AD in that final roster spot in the in the closing lineup, that's just gonna be killer. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, and I think they're. I mean, that's the that's the difference with with this year. There's no with the Lakers. It's not an unknown anymore. Like it was coming into this past season with all the young guys. Like there was a lot of questions. Like how are they gonna how are they gonna react to LeBron? How are they gonna play with LeBron? Yeah. And and are they gonna take the next step? We obviously saw injuries had a lot to do with it, and we saw that the team wasn't ready to take the next step. I mean, you know, albeit they they were on a little bit of a roll there going into that Christmas game against against Golden State where LeBron got hurt. I know some people were saying, yeah. wow, I mean, you look at they were coming, but if you check out their schedule leading up to that game, it was pretty damn soft. And so I, I don't think, I think the Lakers, and I, and I said this going into uh, the beginning of last season, they're, they're six, seven, eight seed, and, and they ultimately, with everything that went wrong, uh, ended up falling out. I want to touch on an, another thing from this uh, ESPN kind of mid off season, I would say, poll of, of, of their insiders and, and reporters and experts. When you're looking at the MVP voting, now they went Giannis at first, no surprise there two-time league MVP, mm -hmm. Steph Curry, second on their list. Uh, LeBron slotted in as third most likely to win MVP, while Anthony Davis uh, also ended up finishing ahead of Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, and just behind Joel Embiid. What do you think of that? I was a bit shocked about that LeBron was ahead of Anthony Davis because I think LeBron is going to play, like he even said how he's going to have, AD is going to be the more dominant player just because he's going to allow AD to be AD and he's going to be more of the point guard role. So I was a bit shocked that AD wasn't in front of LeBron. Um, but I don't. I wasn't shocked that they were three and four. Who I would have put first instead, even though I said they're going to be a seventh or eighth or seventh or sixth seed, is Steph. I think Steph is going to. He has something to prove. I mean, like he doesn't really have something to prove, but he wants to like show the naysayers of, oh, he needs or like he's not the same player or anything like that. I feel like he's just going to go off next season because I mean it's him, D'Lo, and they're basically the the scoring punches in the starting unit. So it's just going to be them shooting a ton of threes. So I I personally would have had Steph first, but that's just, that's just my opinion. What about you? 
Yeah, I would I would say Steph. I think Steph's going to go off a bit this season as well. The only thing is, and, and as you mentioned there, like how deep is that team that are they going to be a serious yeah. contender? Because if they're sitting at 47, 48 wins, probably not. I think you have to get up towards mm-hmm. 55, even closer to 60, as we've seen from the from the voting for NBA MVP over the last several years. It's like, okay, whatever team is kind of the best regular season squad or, or close to it, a top two, three, you know, seed, except for, I think, Russ Westbrook. I, I know OKC, I don't think was, I think they were a four seed or five seed when he won it. But um, overall, I mean, I agree with you. I think Steph's going to have the ability to go off. And the only part with with LeBron and, and maybe AD to a, a lesser degree is that, Mm-hmm. LeBron's load management. How many games is he going to miss? Right. Yeah. If he's sitting out, if he's sitting yeah. out 15, 15 games, is 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 he really an MVP candidate at that point? I think you could be. Fifteen games, it like for as long as it's fifteen games, I think you can be. But if it starts to go off into like the twenty range, I think that's where it comes into question. And do you think they're going to give AD any load management? Uh, I, I think they'll give him, I mean, he's young enough that there's no excuse that you shouldn't yeah. be trying to play 82 games, but, yeah. um, and he doesn't have the mileage that, Le, that LeBron has obviously at, at, at this age Not as well. nearly the mileage. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he was, he was last <laughs> season was basically, he sat the last 20, 25 games as well. So it's not like he, mm-hmm. he's coming off in a, an extended run in the, in the postseason that he might need some, some time off. But I mean, I, I would look at it maybe, maybe about, a, you know, seven five to seven games if he needs it as a load management. But I wouldn't want to go more than that because, as we talked about before, man, the Western Conference is stacked. You you can't afford to give away 10 games this year because that might be the difference between a two and a seven seed or being out of the playoffs altogether. Yeah, like like we touched on earlier, it's funny to me how crazy the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference is, where in the West you can't even say who's going to be one through eight. Whereas in the East, I saw literally yesterday on Twitter – it was a bunch of Knicks fans like trying to defend that they can make the playoffs, and like they, they made some solid cases. But the fact that any team in the East can be like, "We can make the playoffs," is just wild to me. Yeah, the, yeah, the Eastern Conference is the fact that Knicks fans think that they actually have a shot coming off a 17 win season, <laughs> and they added R.J. Barrett, who I like because he's Canadian. So shout out to him. But mm-hmm. yeah, the Knicks stink, and the fact that they're, they're they think that they have a chance <laughs> at making it is kind of like, okay, that's how terrible your conference is because. And it's been that way for like most of my adult life too. It's always been, well, the Western Conference is always a little bit better, other than the the LeBron yeah. years where, where he was uh, he was in Cleveland and, and he had the Celtics little mini run there. It's been pretty much the Western Conference has always been dominant. I, I I just don't understand why, but that's just the way it shook out for the last twenty years or so. I think yeah, and exactly, and I think that's why they had to change up the way that the All Star game was played too, because there mm-hmm. were more dominant players always in the West as well. Oh yeah, and then I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it now, it's 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 probably the same thing. I mean, the the East Eastern Conference is just very very top heavy, and then you know your mm-hmm. your six seven eight like the first round matchups in the East, you pretty much well know who's going to win. It's always the top four, uh, top four seats, right? Because the the lower mm-hmm. lower lower seated teams sneaking in are typically, especially the seven and eight, are typically you know five hundred or lower. So that that's something to keep an eye on as well this year. Is 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 that going to benefit? Teams like the Bucks, like the Sixers, where they can say, "Yeah, you know what? We can we can afford to rest Joel Embiid and rest Giannis because we're playing the the Cavaliers or the Knicks uh, coming into this." I don't season. know. So, I, I don't think I don't think you can rest them against the Terry Rozier led Bobcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous squad, right? Like, come on. And Michael Jordan too. Get get your stuff together as an owner, man. Yeah, you know what? You're 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 killing it with how much money you're making. Start start making some right moves and and do something correct. I mean, they got Mitch Kupchak yeah. there, but uh, I'm not impressed I was, with him as I an was owner. Really upset. I was I was so. Ex- I mean, like I was glad that Mitch was getting a second opportunity, and then 
just this signing happened. And I was like, why, why, why did you go with that? Oh yeah. This in, in, inexcusable. And how many bad general managers there are in the NBA. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, but let's, let, let's wrap up that. Let, let's wrap up that conversation there before we start sliding on a lot of the Eastern conference teams. We'll be sitting here talking about that for about a couple of hours <laughs> uh, on with Ali, uh, Ali Berpunia. You can catch him on uh, Lakers SBN. He's a video analyst and producer for us. Also a video editor for Lakers fill room. A couple other things I want to touch on with you, Ali. We'll do that after this short break. All right, and we are back. So let's do some quick hits right now. I mean, as we said, we're kind of into transitioning into the final month of the offseason here. We're going to get training camp rolling. A couple of things to touch on. So Anthony Irwin, uh, writer for us over at uh, silverscreenroll.com, posted something on on uh, – so pardon me, posted a piece on Alex Caruso today. He's ended up number five on our most interesting Lakers. Where do you think Alex Caruso fits in and on the Lakers squad? Now, I know Anthony's a total fanboy of Caruso. A lot of us are. I mean, he's looking jacked this <laughs> mm-hmm. offseason, even even trimmed his hair down a bit. Yeah, looking, he, looks, he looks jacked, right? He, he looks huge in that photo. It, remember last summer when, when a photo of LeBron came out and, like, it was his first ever, like, warm-up photo and he looked humongous in that photo? I forgot what it was. He was wearing, like, that, like, curled-up uh, sleeveless tee. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember it. Yeah, this is, this is, this is the same thing, but now it's just Alex Caruso instead of LeBron. <laughs> why do why do you can here let me ask you this why do people love alex caruso so much is it just because he looks like that and i'm gonna say this i don't mean this in any racial way it's just because he's a small little white guy who plays hard mm-hmm. and is, has this weird athleticism that you would never expect from him because he looks more like an accountant like why do people like alex caruso so much so i think and i i fall into this re- i think it's because of that and as much as i hate to say that that plays a big part but i also think it's just Personally, when guys don't look like they can play ball and then they just dominate or just play really well, it's actually exciting to watch. It mm-hmm. it just it makes you think it makes you think that you can go out there and play, which I can't. I I would I would fail, but <laughs> it makes you think that you can you can go out there and play yourself. So it's just when you see him have a putback dunk on Durant and stuff like that, you're just like, wow, that's just I never thought someone could do that. Someone like that could do that. So and he's actually really good. Like he gets people. I think people, like especially from fans of other teams, don't realize how good Alex Crusoe really is. Yeah, he's he showed a, a level of of compete, and he showed a level of, of of skill last year that I don't think a lot of people were expecting from him. And, and if you look at the numbers, how good the Lakers were, especially defensively with him on the court compared to Rajon Rondo. I mean, there was almost basically their defensive rating was a difference of of ten. Like the Lakers were that oh, much better crazy. having 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 Caruso on there, and and so you know Anthony makes a point in in this piece that he's talking about how he's the best point guard on on the Los Angeles Lakers, and and I agree I, with that. I mean, if you're looking at if you're looking at by the traditional letter of the law, who is the better point guard right now at this point in their career, Caruso or Rondo? You're you're going with Caruso all day, right? All day. He just he fits in a lot more with this team, and not just that, he transitioned well into today's NBA, whereas Rondo. He's still trying to play like how he did back with the Celtics and stuff like that. And it's just, it doesn't work now. So it just, I I do believe that Crusoe should be the number one point guard on the team. Now, that being said, he probably won't start because LeBron starts at point guard, but he should be the number one point guard off the bench. So who's your who's your starting lineup? And this is a debate I've had a, a few times on on the podcast with with a bunch of guests, and I, I've had different answers all the time. So if you're looking at a starting lineup right now, you're Frank Vogel, Early on, you're, you're trying to maybe figure out a rotation. Who do you go with as your as your top five guys? The top five guys, I go playoff for for the playoffs. It's different for me, but for regular season, I'm going LeBron at point guard, Avery Bradley at the two, Danny Green at the three, 
AD at the four, then JaVale at the five. And yeah. the JaVale and Dwight uh, five can switch. I'd have to see how Dwight, you know, plays and if he's, like, changed and he actually accepts his role. That can change. But for now, it's that starting five. And Kuz coming off the bench because I think that bench unit is going to need someone like Kuz to, to be that scoring punch. And I can see Kuz just – I think he'd average more shots per game if he came off the bench and he'd still close the game. I'm in the same boat as you. I, you know what? Your starting lineup is actually the exact same as mine. The only change would have been before uh, the Boogie Cousins injury and obviously his his trouble with uh, legal yeah. issues now that he's having. I, I would have went with Boogie as a starter, but I mean, you you nailed the top five that I would go with too because to me, you're right. Kuzma bringing in, coming in off the bench, he can he's a scorer, right? Kyle Kuzma, he's, he's one of those yeah. guys who's going to have those stat lines that is, you know, on a good day, 20 points three rebounds, three assists. He's not going to give you yeah. 20 rebounds, uh, nine rebounds, or 20 points, pardon me, nine rebounds and seven assists a game. That's not his his style. That's not the, what he brings to the team. He's a scorer first. Hopefully he improves a bit in terms of his team defense and individual defense, but uh, he's got to be their main guy coming off the bench and being able to score. It just makes more sense, not only offensively, but defensively as well, to have that as a starting unit. Who do you think is going to be the best perimeter defender? Uh, I, I'd go Danny Green. I have to see how Avery Bradley is because he's, he's struggled as of late. He struggled with the Clippers, obviously, and he did okay with Memphis, but injuries got to him. So for now, I'm saying Danny Green, um, but I'll have to see. I'm, exci- I'm genuinely excited to see how Avery Bradley does because it's either a hit or a miss. And that's the thing with Boogie is I never thought that way with him. But with Avery Bradley, you either are getting – a great Avery Bradley or you're getting someone who barely plays. Yeah, that's that's a perfect way to look at it cuz you yeah, we we don't know and and maybe by the time November mid-November or pretty me end of November rolls around you're like all right, Avery Bradley's completely shot and we're going to have to figure something else out for a rotational guy cuz I do want to see they have different skill sets obviously Quinn Cook more of an offensive player but I'm interested to see what Quinn Cook can bring in terms of can he come mm-hmm. in off the bench, you know, 12, 15, 16 minutes a night? And, and it just hit some threes and, and be able to space the floor for the offense. One guy you did mention, Dwight Howard. Uh, this was written by Alex Regula. He's been on the podcast with me several times with Silver Screen and Roll.com. Uh, Dwight reportedly convinced his Lakers teammates that they can trust him <laughs> to guard players like Joel Embiid. What do you think of that statement? Yeah. I, I don't know if he can shut them down. I think he can cause some trouble. I, I do believe that he could but I don't think he can, like, make Joel go three for 15 from the field, you know. So I think he would actually cause control because Dwight is a big guy, and, like, defensively, he doesn't he, – he, he's actually not bad. He, his skill set was never his issue. It was always his ego and what role he was willing to accept. So I do, I do genuinely believe he can guard guys like that. Not great, but he can, he can you know, cause trouble. So I, I get what he's saying, and he – Personally, out of any player on the roster right now, I would say he has the best shot of it, you know. So I, I kind of see what he's saying, I, but I don't necessarily agree that he can, you know, shut them down. But, he, yeah. No, it's funny because we, we used to have this, the way it was in the in the mid to late 90s while Shaq was just, you know, 
terrorizing the league and, and going on the three-peat with the Lakers was you had guys like Chris Dudley, Chris Dudley and, and Sean Bradley. <laughs> and these guys were like, well, you know what? You got six fouls to use with them. And, that, and that's what you, that's yeah. how you're going to guard Shaq. Right. And I almost look at Dwight Howard like that. I mean, if he's guarding Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid simply going to take him to the top of the top of the key or to outside the three point line and be like, all right, big fella, let's go one, four low here and, and come try and guard me. And let's, <laughs> let's see what happens. Cause Dwight Howard, although he's, he's, he was more athletic, obviously doesn't have that same spring and then that same, um, you know, leaping ability that he does uh, now that he did 10 years ago when he was in Orlando, but mm -hmm. uh, his lateral quickness has never been that great. So I think he's, he's going to get smoke showed by those big guys who are able to move and, and take him that far outside the, uh, outside the paint. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. I, I'm so curious, not just for that, but I, I did you want Noah more than Dwight? I was in the boat of trying to get Gortat over, actually. I, that really? for, I Yeah, and I'm saying that strictly from an offensive point of view. I like Joakim Noah. I think he did a real good job with Memphis last year. I mean, the Grizzlies stank. They, were, they weren't very good, but he, he came in and showed that he could still play. Uh, the reason why I wanted Gortat, I think defensively, None of those guys were, were a great option. Like Noah, just in terms of reputation, is was the best one there. But um, Gortat, to me, it just what he brings to the floor offensively was something that I, I think that Dwight or Joe Kim Noah don't weren't able to bring. And that is being able to hit the short corner jumpers, uh, going eight to 10, 12 feet out, and just being able to hit those off the drive and drive and dishes. So he was my pick. What about you? I actually prefer Noah over Dwight. And then I never thought of this name up until it recently got brought up to me. Spencer Hawes, he, he actually did really well with South Bay last season in his nine games. He averaged, I believe, 35%, I mean, sorry, 45% from three. And he, he did everything well. His court vision was nice. The only issue, again, was his defense, kind of like Dwight. His lateral quickness wasn't great. He was kind of getting eaten alive when he had to switch on screen. But he was a name that I thought the Lakers should, should have looked at. And if they're truly looking at space currently, I would rather look at Hawes than space just because, I don't know. I think Spates, I mean, uh, Hawks fits the team a lot better. And one thing I was excited about with uh, Cousins, and even if they sign Noah, it was their ability to create like four others and pass the ball. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that Hawes adds because he averaged four assists per game too. He had some really nice uh, back. Uh, he would find people in their backdoor cuts, and it was just beautiful to watch. Yeah, that that was that was another interesting aspect of of Noah's game that I think that the Lakers maybe could have given a little bit more thought to. Like you're mentioning that he's a much better passer, especially out of the high post than than Dwight is. And I think what yeah. he brings in terms of the court vision, but it seems like Rob Plenka and let's be honest, LeBron James, because he is basically the assistant, <laughs> if not the, the the main general manager on on this team. Yeah, I think they looked at it and said, no, you know what, we need a traditional big man who can block some shots or not even block some shots, alter some shots, I would say, and 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 be be good on the defensive end in terms of the rebounding. And you look at Dwight's numbers from a couple of years ago, he was, you know, number four overall in the league in terms of defensive uh, rebounding percentage when he was on uh, mm -hmm. when he was on the Hornets. I mean, last year he only played nine games, but you wrote about this for for uh, silverscreenandroll.com. Like what what do you think is a successful season for Dwight and what does he bring to the Lakers? I think I think the perfect amount of time to play Dwight is anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a game. And like you tell, or as he knows, his role is no longer, because I watched a few games of his uh, when he was with Washington out of his like nine or 10 games. I watched about five of them. He kept demanding the ball in the post, which wasn't great to watch. And then he'd also quite often slip on screen. I, if I were him, I would just focus on three things, rebounding, setting screens, and just playing and like playing defense. 
protecting the key. It's just those three things are what he has to focus on. And I think a successful season for him is just averaging somewhere around – the points does not matter. But averaging somewhere around anywhere from like six to eight points, grabbing about eight boards per game, and then averaging anywhere from one to two blocks. The blocks – averaging amount, the amount of blocks he averages doesn't matter. It's just how he's able to protect that paint. Like last season, he averaged 25 minutes a game, and he averaged 12 points and like nine rebounds. If you just cut that by 10 and go anywhere from eight and eight, something like that, I think that's successful for him. And I think if he just focuses on that, he makes it past January. Any chance that you, when you look at him right now, as things stand health-wise, age-wise, mentally, is there anywhere you look at him having a successful season, like being able to put up? double-double numbers or close to it, like you mentioned, nine points, nine, 10 rebounds. And do you see him being a guy who might be able to play 20 to 25 minutes a game? 20 to 25 minutes a game? Uh, that's tough. I, If I had to bet on that, I'd say no, just because of history of his – I mean, he played 81 games for Charlotte, so I can't really say it's health. I just – if he's able to buy in the role, yes, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't be doing as much as he normally did. He used to be the focus of teams and everything, but now he's just, you know – He's a role player now. So I actually, I think for as far as 20 to 20 to 25 minutes, I think he could. But it's, again, it's all about buying that role. Yeah, and that's the tough part for him. I know he basically came out and said his selling point to to Rondo and, and McGee and, and Anthony Davis during their meeting was that, hey, man, I've been humbled, which is something you wanted to hear him him say. And I think, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in in the sense that he's coming into this this season, like this is my last shot. I don't, I don't have another, yeah. I don't have another, you know, five years left. If, if I screw this up and I don't show that I'm capable of being not just a serviceable player, which I think he, he always has the potential to be in and the same level of success that he had with Orlando. That now you're, you're looking, this is like with, the NBA and I think he has to learn that I'm not the same guy I was 10 years ago and and if he truly has hit rock bottom as, as he said he did I think that's going to show right from the start of the season mm-hmm. and like you said you kind of hinted on this earlier how like LeBron's a GM he was brought in here because they AD needs a five he does not like playing the five and if mm-hmm. he the way the, what, what I mean by accepting that role is you're basically there to protect the paint for AD and that's why if he mm-hmm. I just really hope that he – I think he's going to buy into it at first, but he's got to continue with it. That's, that's probably my biggest fear is that he buys into it and then December hits and he realizes he's not really getting touches or anything or that he's buying into the role so he thinks he deserves more opportunities. And that's where I, I kind of fear that that might slide off. Well, the good news with that is hopefully it happens before January 7th. And they're like, all right, dude, peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if that's what he chooses to do. So, uh, you know, the, it's basically on him, whatever he wants to contribute and whatever he wants to be. It's it's going to be entirely up to him and his outlook and his attitude towards this team. Let's wrap up on this, Ali. I don't know if you saw it this morning on uh, Bleacher Report. Gilbert Arenas uh, via the No Chill podcast. You can see it on Twitter at Ball Don't Stop. Uh, but Bleacher Report kind of aggregated this work and said, Gilbert Arenas says MJ told Kobe after a Wizards-Lakers game. Well, this was when MJ was like his his forgotten that nobody ever wants to remember that he did come back and play with those Wizards those seasons, but that he could wear <laughs> the shoes, but he'll never fill them. 
coming back out, Kobe got so mad the next time. He didn't speak to his teammates for a couple of weeks, but when the when the Lakers played the Wizards again, the Mamba dropped 55. So let me ask you this. I, I know you're 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 a Lakers diehard as well. Did did Kobe fill MJ's shoes or did he fall just short? Uh I think he filled them as best as anybody can fill them. I think it's pretty pretty damn hard to fill those shoes, but I think he filled them as best as literally anyone could and for that era that he's playing in. Now, here's the thing. I know for certain that once MJ said that, Kobe just worked hard every day, had that calendar circled, everything, just knowing that on this day I'm going to just annihilate him. <laughs> that's the mama mentality man that's that's what we yep. that's why that's why kobe Bryant is so beloved but i i'm always the guy that being a you know i was born in the early 80s when i look at it michael jordan the just the best athlete of my of my lifetime so i would always put jordan mm-hmm. one i would in some way weird way and and this is hard for me to and the answer changes i guess depending on the day and 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 maybe what i've read and seen but to me kobe and lebron have pretty much all been interchangeable at the number two spot. Mm-hmm. What about what about you? What's what's your overall top three? Uh, if you had to if you had to rank Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe, how how do you how do you do that? I I have MJ first, I have Kobe second, and I have LeBron third. But I'm hmm. I, I never interchanged it. I've always had it like that. My only thing is there's a chance I'm I'm just being honest. There's a chance I'm being biased because I just I'm a diehard Kobe fan and always will be in like I just there's a chance that there's a chance because of bi- I'm biased, but I have him at the number two slot. I just think, yes, LeBron LeBron's numbers are better and things like that. But I think as far as in Kobe's era, what he was able to bring and like how he played the game and just every you, if you ask any player back then who or players now who their idol was, so many most of them, at least from what I've seen, is Kobe. Have you do you see do you see Wilson Chandler's uh, tweet about Kobe? No, I missed it. What did he say? I, I, I don't want to botch it, but I believe he's saying how, like, back in my day, like, most kids when they were growing up, they wanted to be just like Kobe. It was something, it was something like that. I could, I could have totally botched that. But I do genuinely believe that, that people growing up, in, in at least in now generation, is like everyone looked at Kobe. And I don't think everyone's now looking at LeBron because there's players like Kevin Durant. There's players, like, on the same level, not the same level field. I think LeBron's much better than them. But – it's just back then it was Kobe and then the rest of the NBA. There was plays like Tim Duncan stuff, but I just, I don't know. That's just my opinion. And again, there could be bias reigned over that. So I will, I will put that with a little asterisk. Okay. Let's, let's, let's just call a spade a spade here. The, ba- the bias may not have been there. The bias is a hundred percent there. So let's, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, not, let's, let's not go on that and, and say there might be, because I agree with you. I, I think Tim Duncan and, and, and Kobe really carried the NBA um after Shaq, you know that that stint that Shaq was yeah. was in uh in Miami and they they won in 06 and then you had that 3 years as LeBron was really coming into his own where with the Lakers won a couple of championships and Boston won that one in 08 um where it was it was really Kobe and Tim Duncan and and so to me I mean Kobe I I love the I didn't like the way he treated teammates at points and and I didn't agree with his mm-hmm. attitude and, and outlook and some of the things he did publicly but on the court uh, he was just a beast and, and dominant. So you can never never take that away from him. Mm-hmm. I actually, I do agree with you. I think the way he treated teammates at the time was not the right way to go about things. I That I 100% agree with you. Yeah, but he was, he was fact, still, I mean, he's great, man. I mean, you can't, you can never take yeah, that away oh, from I, him. Nope. Yeah, that's why, that's why he's number two all time. 
Yeah, he is. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting <laughs> if we ever get to see, you know, and, and I do want to see someone come along who who is better than Jordan. I just think it'd be great for the game. I'm a basketball fan first, so oh, I, I think that would be the fun part, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think I think it's always that 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 brings about change and just makes people talk and having that person come to the game would be insane. And that's why I think it's insane that Alex Caruso is here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. He is uh, Alex Caruso is is our is our next baby Jordan. That's what that's what we're hoping for this season. Uh, Ali, you got any, you got any projects you're working on? Anything we can expect to see from you coming up short soon here in the next few weeks? Uh, not no, honestly, not one that I can think of. This podcast is dropping pretty soon, though. So I, yeah, it's, I dro- it's dropping right away. Yeah, yeah, we got to we got to get this one out. <laughs> Labor Day. We know people are sitting around kind of hungover and tired from the weekend, so they want we we want them yeah. to come listen to us right now. <laughs> yeah I, tomorrow go and listen to this relax just i know you're gonna be hungover go grab a powerade you'll be just fine <laughs> that's it that's the spirit all right ali that, this was fun man thanks again for coming on and doing this thank you for inviting me i loved it thank you all right that's uh ali berpunia you can catch him on uh on silver screen and roll he's a video analyst as well as producer for us and uh, also a video editor for lakers fill room and don't forget to check him out on twitter as well at ali underscore berpunia that does it for this episode don't forget subscribe to the silver screen and roll podcast network you can catch us on itunes google play stitcher spotify you name it we are there and of course silverscreenandroll.com your number one resource for all things lakers that does it for this one i'll catch you all next time.